Hello, I'm Pastor Joe Castillo of All Nations International Fellowship, coming live to your device all the way from Beijing, China. Enjoy this podcast while you're driving your car, maybe doing household chores, or even your morning devotion. As you join us today, I trust the living Word of God to touch your life. His name is Yeshua, and He is Lord of all. Check us out online at anif.cc. Amen. Again, I want to thank uh, Pastor Joe and the elders for having me preach again. I have? Until five. Okay, I guess I'll be done by then. I need to attempt to stay long. Uh, I was away for a few weeks, two weeks to be exact. I was in Zambia. I went to work there at the ministry, and now I'm back. And it happened that whilst I was back home, I got to speak to the church. And when I came back, I listened to Pastor's podcast, and some of the things he was saying here, I was saying to the church in Zambia. Amen. Wow. Wow. And I don't think that is coincidence. Uh, I think some of the things he's gone through, I've gone through, I've experienced that, and I know what, what it means. So I felt I should echo some of the things that you say. And as a warning, I think it is a duty of a leadership to warn. That's right. Amen? Forewarned right. is forearmed. If we don't warn you, you will have an excuse. But if we warn you, you don't have an excuse. Amen. You can't say, I didn't know, because we told you. Amen. So I'll, I'll speak as God gives me grace. And I pray that as you listen, may you pick at least one thing and hold it to your heart and say, I'll be strong. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity again to meet with you in the presence of your Spirit with all the saints and to listen from your words. We pray that you give us grace this afternoon to grasp your words, to consume it, to make it part of our lives. And as we walk, as we lead each other, as we help each other, Lord, we may continue to make one another strong. Our desire is that we may stand up as witnesses, as a testimony for the name of Jesus Christ. In the long run, Lord, we want your name to be glorified amongst us and those that are outside the church. So Holy Spirit, with your presence here this afternoon, help us, teach us, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So you have five fingers on every hand. Make use of four. We have only four scriptures to look at today. Uh, we'll start in Acts chapter 20. We'll go to 1 Peter chapter 1. We'll go to Genesis 15. And we'll finish in 2 Samuel 15. Amen. Just four. Amen. Amen. And 
I'll be speaking on wolves in sheep clothing, part three. It's part three, yeah? Yes, Yeah, wolves in sheep clothing, part three. I've already told you why I'm saying this. Um, time will not allow me to give you all the full details. Maybe later on when we're chatting, you can ask me. But after pastoring a church for nine years, I was told to hand over the church. It's not easy when you build relationships, you build a congregation, then you're told, let go. And I felt it was God's time for me to do so, and I did. Amen. And one of the brothers in the congregation said, why don't we go out and do another work? And I agreed. And we started a work. But what I didn't know was he was using my name to build his own work. And after a few months, most a year, uh, people in the congregation decided they didn't know me. They knew him. And my leaders got to me and said, look, we don't like what is happening here. And we feel we should not be a part of this work. So we are leaving. And I told them, okay, I'm in China, you're in Zambia, I agree with what you're doing, you leave. So we just got to start again this year. And when I went home, basically I was telling the leaders and the members of the church, the mistake we make is that before we do the building, we don't secure the building. And if we knew that the work we're building was going to be destroyed, none of us would build it unless it was secure. So the security of the flock, the security of the church, the congregation, is very, very important. And the pattern that, gave God, that God gave me is in the book of Nehemiah, where when Nehemiah went to rebuild Jerusalem, the first thing he built was the gates. That's right. Then the walls. And if you read the account of Nehemiah, you'll find that whilst they were building, they had not even completed their houses. Their houses were lost. Because they knew it didn't make sense to build a house that was going to be broken down. Unless first the perimeter was secure. Amen? And it is important that we should know how the enemy works to destroy the church. Because when the church is destroyed, only the enemy wins. But our aim is to build up the kingdom of God and whatever we do, we must make sure this work here at Aleph is secure. Amen? Amen. Okay, let's go to Acts chapter 20. Verse 28 to 31. Oh, that's a good the Apostle Paul is about to depart for Rome. And uh, his point of departure was Ephesus, the church that he started, the church that he loved. And starting from verse 28, he says, that's Acts chapter 20, verse 28 to 31. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. 
also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. So Paul continually warned the church night and day, take heed. After I have left, wolves will enter and they will not spare the flock. And even among your own selves, men will rise up speaking perverse things and drawing disciples after themselves. And right there and then, I want to say this. It is never my intention as a minister of the word for you to follow me. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. So your aim, your goal, the end of your faith must be Jesus Christ, not General Period. If you're following me, you are lost. Amen? Amen? We'll get to that in detail. So, Paul brings out two points. One force working from outside, coming into the church to devour, to eat, to chop you up into pieces. And the other force rises up from within the church to divide, draw people after themselves and away from leadership. And if you don't know, if you are unsuspecting, if you are weak, you'll fall prey. You'll be a victim. Uh, do you watch National Geographic? Yes. When the big cats go after the herds, when the lions chase the zebra, it's the weak ones that get brought down. Amen. Hello? Hello. Lions will not dare go after a herd of buffalo, except maybe their calves, some which are wounded. They go after the weak ones. And I feel that's what happens in church. When people are being deceived, when people are being misled, it's not those who are strong in the faith. It is those who are weak. At times, it may be those who are strong in the faith, but at a weak moment. We all have our cycles, up and down, up and down, up and down. And at a time of weakness, when you are low, when you're feeling depressed, you're feeling like God is not with you, the enemy may strike, even when you are strong. So, we should be aware of the things that make us weak and the characteristics of the people that try to draw us out from the place that God has ordained for us. Are you with me? So, go with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. The first warning I want to give is if you have a feeling of inferiority, if you suffer from rejection, you know, you feel unwanted, you feel like there's something that is lacking in your life, you will fall prey. You'll be easy meat. The enemy will pick you out. And it is important that when you sit on your chair in this church, worshipping God, listening to the word of God, you must feel valuable. Hello? 
Uh, if you are seated in this church and you feel the person on your left or right is more important than you, you're in trouble. Hello? Am I speaking to someone? If you sit in church and you know you can't worship God, you're not happy because you feel it's going on for everyone else except yourself. They have it, I don't. I've been crying out to God and I'm not getting anything, but they're getting everything. Uh, every Sunday, someone stands up and says, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. Testimony this, testimony that. But nothing is happening in my life. You're in danger. Hello? Because what happens is when we feel unwanted, when we feel God doesn't love us, when we feel God has no place for us in the church, we try to appease God. God doesn't want your appeasement. Hello? Christ was sacrificed for you. It is finished, he cried. The work was done. There is nothing you will ever do that will add on to the work of Jesus Christ. Hello? If you can add on to the work of Christ, it's blasphemy. That's what I say. And you will never feel accepted. You will never feel in place until you convince yourself that God loves me, God has accepted me just as I am. Hello? First Peter chapter 1, verse 18 to 20. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, such as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the world, the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Now, in the world, we value things according to appearance. Uh, we value people by the amount of money they have, the possessions that they have. That is a worldly standard. The more money you have, the richer you are, the more important you are. And unfortunately, at times, the same feeling creeps into the church. Hello? Because that one has more money than I have. They are more than important. They are more, than, more important than I am. Because that one has that position which I don't have. They're more important than I am. Now listen to me. The Bible says all of us seated here were redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Hello? You were not redeemed by the blood of goats then I got redeemed by the blood of Jesus. All of us, same blood, shed on the same cross, at the same hill of Calvary. Can we agree on that? Yes. Therefore, the price paid for each one of us was the same. Yes. Hello? Yes. That equalizes. Regardless of your color, regardless of your possessions, regardless of your title, your job, the price paid was the same. You get it? I like the conclusion of this passage, verse 20. It says, this lamb that was ordained before the foundation of the world was made manifest in these last times for you. Say, the lamb was manifested for me. The lamb was manifested for me. It's personal. For you, not for us. You understand? 
Someone said, if you were alone in the world, Jesus would still have died on the cross. Hello? So, it doesn't make sense that Jesus would die for something that had no value. You are valuable. Yes, you've got challenges. Yes, you've got problems. Yes, there are issues. But the blood is what determines your value. Amen. So shake yourself up and say, in the eyes of God, I am valuable. I am accepted. He loves me. Thank you, Jesus. Hello? So, there's nothing else apart from the blood of Jesus that I can offer you. If that cannot make you valuable, what am I going to do to you that will make you valuable? Nothing. Amen. Are you understanding what I'm saying? God, by his Holy Spirit, lives in you. God does not live in cheap places. You know that? In the desert, he dwelt in the tabernacle, in the Holy of Holies. Skins, cloth, precious stones, gold, silver, etc., etc. Out of the desert, he moved into the temple, which was more expensive. You get it? The temple was more expensive than the tabernacle. Nowadays, he moved out of the temple and he dwells where? It can't be cheaper than these two. You hear what I'm saying? So don't make yourself cheap. You're not. Walk high and say, I have value. What makes you valuable? The presence of God in you. These other issues will take care of them. But first you must accept, I as an individual am valuable in the eyes of God. Even if I had nothing on the outside, I've got treasure on the inside that money cannot buy. Amen? Okay. Let's move on. Genesis chapter 15. So first you must understand you're valuable. In the eyes of God, Highly valued. Nothing can buy you. Nothing can pay for you. Except blood. Secondly, can we change the way we view God's relationship with us? Okay. Uh, The way we look at God's relationship with us is different from the way he looks at his relationship towards you. And I'll explain. Genesis chapter 15 verse 1 to 5. We're listening to the story of Abraham. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham, I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. And Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus? And Abraham said, Behold, to me you have given no seed, and lo, no one, and what, no, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be your heir, speaking of Ishmael, but he that shall come forth out of your own bowels shall be your heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if you're able to number them. And he said to them, and he said to him, 
so shall your seed be. Now, Abraham's story starts in Genesis chapter 12 and it goes on. But God appeared to him and he said, through you, he said, I'll bless you and through you all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Abraham didn't get it. He read God's promise to me and I'll give you a son. And all he wanted was a son. The Bible says, God blessed Abraham in all things. He had gold, silver, cattle, goats, sheep. But Abraham would say, look, I don't have a son. What was he focused on? A son. But what did God promise him? All the nations of the earth shall be blessed through you. But this guy was so short-sighted, all he could think of was a son. All he wanted was a son. The same thing with Joseph, the dreamer. He had a dream and he knew that one day my father, my mother, my brothers will come and bow before me. I'll be a ruler. All he wanted to be was a ruler. But God wanted to save many lives through him. You hear what I'm saying? And unfortunately, that mindset is still in the church today. We think Jesus died for us, bought us with his own blood, saved us from our sins just for ourselves. Our prayers, our desires, the things we think of, it's me. Ask me what's your problem. Pastor, I don't have a job. What's your problem? I'm not, I'm not well. I'm sick. What's the problem? I don't have money. What's the problem? I'm not married. What's your problem? I, 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 I. Please. God did not save you for yourself. His idea of saving you is much, much bigger than you can think or imagine. And at times... He, he has to go to extremes to wake you up out of that small dream of yours. To say, look, think bigger than what you're seeing right now. And this is what he did with Abraham. He took him out and said, look, this sun, 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 sun business. Look at the stars. Count. How many? I'm not talking about one. I'm talking about millions. You understand what I'm saying? God feels like taking some of you outside for a talk and saying, look, the job is not a problem. Your money is not a problem. Your marriage, your children, your health is not a problem. Just get into my thinking and imagine the things I can do through you. That is a problem that God has with you. Hello? You've convinced yourself that if this problem of mine could get resolved, everything will be fine. No, you're cheating. Hello? Let me try this. How many of us have a problem? Have, don't have problems? Those without problems, put up your hands. Have you heard the saying, come to Jesus and he'll solve all your problems? You've heard it? Okay, now if you came to Jesus, why do you still have problems? When I got saved, I was like, Lord, now I'm saved. They're making fun of me. Mm-hmm. You know, they call me born again, stop drinking, 
the sissy, what they called me names. I said, I can't take it. God said, look, that's not a problem. No. After that, Lord, I can't be in the army. I want to get out of the army. You know, you always present a new problem, no matter what God does. Until you get to a situation where you understand what God wants to work through you. Hello? And there are some here who feel, if only God would do this for me. Give me a son. Give me a husband. Give me a job. I'll solve my financial problems. Then everything will be okay. No, it won't be okay. It will only be okay when you understand what God wants to work through you. Then all the other things become tiny. You hear me? The work that God wants to do through you transcends your generation. Isaac was born to Abraham, one. But God was not finished with his plan that he started in Abraham. From Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Joseph to the 12 tribes until today, God is still working. Hello? And the problems that Abraham left are not yet solved in the Middle East. It was his fault. Because he didn't have patience. Listen to He's dead. He's gone. He's buried. He's one of forefathers. But the problems he left are not yet resolved. And that is what happens when you lose sight of God's vision for your life. You start doing things that will cause problems that will take years to resolve. Hello? You know the prayer I should pray today? Lord, I put aside my problems. Show me the stars that you have for me. Amen. Come on now. That is good. And may God open your eyes that you may see. What you call your problem is too little. At times I, maybe as you speak for God, he says, this is what you're presenting before, before me. Think of something bigger. Let's try something else. Your problem is too little. So put it aside and say, maybe Lord, I have not yet seen what you want to do through me. Open my eyes that I may see. Amen? Okay, let's go on. Abraham was 75 when God appeared to him. Amen? Ishmael was born when Abraham was 86. And Isaac was born when Abraham was 100 years old. Do you hear that? Now when you read the Bible, the story of Abraham, you get the impression like everything was happening every day. Nope. You know, today God came to Abraham and promised him the next day, the next day, the next day, the next day, the next day. It took 25 years to fulfill the promise. And I want to say this. There were times that God did not show himself to Abraham. He was silent. Have you ever been through the silent years? You will fast, you pray, you read your Bible. He remains silent. Why? I don't know. But most of the times it's because it's not yet time. And in those silent years, people get into trouble. You know why? You want to start 
faking manifestations of God. God manifests, I had a dream, prophecy this side and that, you'll be in trouble. Don't force God to manifest when he has it. And he doesn't always manifest. There's one question I haven't yet answered. Help me. Where was God when Adam and Eve were eating the fruit? Hmm? Where was he? He was there. Why didn't he come and slap them on the hand and say, hey, let go? Freedom. He had a plan. Where was God when Ishmael was being born? Why didn't he intervene and stop it? God works according to his plan. So, if God is quiet, it's normal. It's not strange. It happens. So don't force God. No, Lord, I'm going to fast for 40 days until you speak to me. What if he doesn't want to speak? If God would speak to us every day, what's the use of faith? There are times when you say, God spoke to me 20 years ago, and I'm still holding on to that word. Even when things don't make sense, I will believe the word he spoke That's to right. me. Hello? So, stop running around making God manifest. Amen. You know what happens when you start striving to make God manifest? You know King Saul? King Saul was disobedient and the Lord left him. He tried, when he saw the armies gathering around, he tried to pray, he tried this, God didn't speak. Saul had banished witches from the kingdom, but in desperation he says, find me a witch. Huh? The king who had driven witches out of the kingdom says, find me a witch. And the witch was found. Where did that witch come from? And he disguises himself, he put on sunglasses, a big hat, big coat, and he goes to the witch. Bring me up somewhere. And the witch somehow appears. And she says, I know you, you are the king. Was it God's will for him to go to a witch? You know why he ended up going to a witch? Instead of mending his relationship with God, he was busy seeking for a word. Asking God to speak in a situation where the armies were surrounding him. At times you don't need a word. You just need to mend your relationship with God. That's all you need. We need at times just to say, Lord, I've done evil, I've done wrong, I repent. And God will appear. But most of the times we forget the wrong that we've done, we've forgotten the sins we've committed, and all we are saying is, God, speak to me. Lord, I want a word. I want a word. I want a word. You end up seeking a witch. I was telling pastor, especially us from Africa, forgive me my African brothers and sisters. Come on now. Hello? You know where we come from, huh? In Africa, people don't die. Death is caused. Hello? Hello? You know what? In Africa, people don't die. Death is caused. So when a person dies in the family, you must find out why has this person died? Who caused it? 
and we go to consult. Remember? If you've got problems at work, there's someone at work who's causing problems. So you go to consult. If a woman marries and she can't have children, there's someone who is causing it. So we go to consult. Now that we're born again, we can't go to consult. So you know what we do? We're looking for words. It's the same thing. Same spirit working behind. Stop it. In seeking, in consulting, the enemy is going to sow a seed of destruction. Hello? Hello. I'll just come and say, oh, you want to consult? Just allow us to tattoo a bit on your forehead, your hands, your feet, your back, and all the wrong spirits inside. I don't know if other people do it, but that's what we do in Africa. Consulting. And it's coming to the church. Everyone is consulting, consulting. God has got a plan for your life and it will unfold. But it will take time. It will take time. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen in a year. It happens over time. And from my own heart, I can tell you this. The longer you work with the Lord, the clearer it becomes. You look back and say, yes, Lord, it's true. You said it and it is coming to pass. Faith and patience brings great reward. Hello? So relax. He's not going to sleep. It's just not yet time. At the right time, God appeared to Abraham and said, that word I spoke to you 25 years ago, time for it to be fulfilled. Now, next year, I will visit your wife and you will have a son. Amen. Hello? And if you just be faithful, walk with God, read your Bible and walk with God. Read your Bible and walk with God. At the right time, he will appear. He will show himself to you. And you say, truly, this is God. Amen. Amen. Okay. We're together. We finished Genesis 15. Last scripture. Second Samuel chapter 15. The Absalom spirit. How many of us know about Absalom? The Absalom spirit. This is a real one. Okay? Uh, Second Samuel chapter 15, verse 1 to 11. You can read it in your own time. That's your homework. But briefly, let me explain. King David had... Sons and daughters, Amnon, Tamar, Absalom, etc., etc. Amnon raped Tamar, who was a sister to Absalom. And Absalom got upset. And at a time of festivities, he killed Amnon. And because he had killed his brother, who raped his sister, he ran away and went to his grandfather away from the kingdom. But Absalom was David's favorite. And as long as Absalom was not in the house, David was not happy. So he arranged for Absalom to be brought back into the house. Here. Absalom was not a stranger. It was David's son in the house. 
But the mistake that David made was he couldn't live without Absalom, so he brought him back into the house. But he didn't know that Absalom had an agenda. Whatever had happened to his sister, the bitterness was still in the heart. And even though he had killed his brother, he wanted to revenge against David. So, this is what Absalom started doing. And this guy was handsome. And he had very long hair. Maybe appeared like an angel of light. Very handsome, very long hair. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> and Absalom would go to the gate, all right? And he began to steal the hearts of people. Hi, where are you from? What have you come to do? Can I shake your hand? Can I kiss your hand? Really? Don't say anybody. Kiss people's hands. And he was telling them, look. No one is listening to you. No one is attending to your problems. If only I could be made king. Mm -hmm. If only I could be made king. Everything would be okay. Sounds like a politician. David had no idea whatever was happening. And Absalom goes to him and says, Father, I want to go to Hebron and worship. Sacrifice. So David says, feel free, take animals, go. Go and worship. Absalom went round and told people, look, when I sound the horn, just shout, Absalom reigns in Hebron. And he went away with, what, was the hundreds, two hundred? I can't remember. He went away with hundreds to Hebron and set up an opposing kingdom to David. And David's son made him flee from Jerusalem. And Absalom came into Jerusalem to reign. What do you call it today? A coup? Hello? Military coup. Coup d'etat. You see, it's been said. I want to poison you. I want to offer you poison. I'll put it in a drink and offer you the drink. And if I want to work to, what's the name, to subvert you against the pastor, I won't do it openly. I'll capitalize on your weaknesses. Those very things I was talking about, you know, we've got this problem with money, we've got this problem with quality marriage, we've got this problem with job, we've got this problem with that and that and that, which you feel is not being attended to. I will come to you and say, look, your problem is not being dealt with. If only you give me a chance, I can. That's a spirit. And it works in the church. And if you're careless, if you don't pay attention, you'll give in to it. And it will sweep you away. It has happened time after time in the church. It is not a person. It is a spirit. And you need to recognize it and deal with it. Number one. The spirit seeks audience with you. Hello? My brother, can I come and visit you at home? 
My sister, can I come and visit you at home? My sister, can we go for lunch? Can we go for dinner? Careful. Hello? This spirit has a hidden agenda to cast your doubts on leadership. I want to be very, very strong here. Because of what I've gone through and I know how this spirit operates. If anyone comes to you and says anything wrong about the pastor, kick them in the back. Allah, even if it is just a small remark like, did you see the way the pastor collected, collected the offering today? That is a spirit. Anyone that backmouths the pastor, just know it's a spirit. And if you listen to it, you participate in that gossip, you will be carried. It doesn't happen in a day. It doesn't happen in a month. It takes time. Before you realize it, your mind is with someone else. And the main target is leaders. Always something wrong with the leaders. And if you're seated here and you see something wrong with the leaders, there's something wrong with you. Hello? It's not good preaching, but it's real. Our attitude towards leaders should be that of submission and obedience. Once we have a heart of disobedience, we are leading ourselves into destruction. I'll explain Ah, this spirit causes division by sweet talk. Appealing to, how would I put it? Uh, false praise. Huh? You're sweetening up to you. I don't know how I can explain it. It has happened to me. Flattery. Hello? Flattery. Flattery. No, 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 Pastor, I'm with you. On this one, I'm with you. Just give me time. I'm organizing everything. Pastor, I'm working everything. Yeah, the worst. You won't even notice because it is so sweet. By the time you realize, damage has been done. Mm-hmm. But the only way you know is if someone comes and says, the pastor, that leader, ah, the elder, the elder's wife, anything negative, don't buy it. It's a spirit. Okay? This spirit capitalizes on people with bitterness. Hello? When you read the account of Absalom, there's a man who was one of the chief advisors to David, Ahithophel. This, we could address this as a separate subject on its own, but I just want to, to give you insight so that you understand. Ahithophel was one of the chief advisors to David. But when Absalom rebuilt, it was surprising that this guy ran away from David and went over to Absalom's side. You know why? Ahithophel was the grandfather to Bathsheba. Remember David and Bathsheba? Sleeps with someone's wife, kills the husband, and marries the wife. So, all this was happening, Ahithophel never said a word. Chief advisor to the king. The king is playing around with your granddaughter. You're quiet. The king 
Hands to husband to your granddaughter Lord, in battle. You're quiet. The king is getting married to your granddaughter. You're quiet. It was building up in him. And when Absalom's rebellion took place, Ahithophel says, now is my time to revenge. And he went. Now listen to me very, very carefully. When you pair up, you link up with people who are in rebellion. You suffer the same fate. I don't get on the name for that, but it's true. Hello? When the Bible says when you receive a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. When you go in rebellion against leaders, whoever it is who leads you in rebellion, you suffer the same fate, same fate, and you have to be very, very careful. Are you hearing me? Absalom had long hair. And you know how he died? He was running away on a donkey. Now it's not clear whether his neck got cut, caught in the branches or it was his hair. But he hung from the branches of a tree until he died. And no, not until he died, until he came and killed him. You know how Ahithophel died? He committed suicide by hanging. Same fate. If you share with people who are bitter, when that root bears fruit, same manifestation, because it's the spirit. It won't work in them and then you'll survive. It will work in all of you. That is why, let's face this reality. When we're in church like this, at times things do go wrong. I may have differences with the pastor. Please keep short, short accounts. He's human, you're human. Go to him and say, Pastor, you know what happened yesterday? I didn't like it. We make up, we're friends. Shake hands, let's move on. If you keep a grudge, you are bitter. I see that you are pretending, smiling, peace, peace. Hey, hey. That spirit will sweep you out and you will be destroyed. Not because you want to be destroyed, but because you refuse to be open. That is why Paul teaches in the Bible. Forgive one another as Christ forgave you. That's all it takes. But you go around, no, me, I'm not happy. Me, I'm not happy. Me, I'm not happy. Ah. Let's see, say, this one is easy pray. Let's start with this one. And that one, and that one, and that one. Be led away in rebellion and you will be destroyed. A lot of people have been destroyed. Amen? Amen. So, where are you insecure? Where's the pain? What is hurting? What is it that is not making you happy? Deal with it. Hello? Don't leave it unattended. Deal with it. What is it that you feel God has not addressed in your life? Put it aside. Hook on to God's vision for your life and work and move on. If you allow yourself to remain weak, bitter, unhappy, suffering rejection in the midst of God's people, when this spirit of rebellion comes to sweep you away, and everyone will be surprised, oh, what happened to General? General was not happy. 
Let's all pray. Turn to your name and ask him, are you happy? I'd like to pray right now as a matter of fact I'd like to give my life to Jesus Christ I would like to have God in my life and I'd like to know Jesus as my Savior and my Lord and surrender my life to Him you know repentance means to turn away from your way of doing things and to turn to God's way we've done things our own way like they used to say in Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous, when I did the 12 steps, they said, your best decisions and your best ways of thinking and your best ways to handle life have gotten you to this situation. And now it's time to trust a higher power. Well, there is no higher power than the God of all the earth. His name is Jehovah. And he sent his son Jesus to die for you. And through him, you can Turn from your way of doing things to His way. And His way is the right way because He made you. And He made you for a purpose. And He knows exactly what you need to pull out your potential to forgive you of your sins, deliver you from the things that keep you away from God in a sin and death cycle. And if you'd open up your heart to Him right now, together with me, God can begin a new work in your life. So just pray with me wherever you're at, whether you're driving your car, whether you're at home, uh, wherever you are, just, just pray with me and repeat after me. Say, Father, I come to you now in the name of Jesus. I ask you to forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. I believe that your son died for my sins. And on the third day, he was raised from the dead. From this day forward, I belong to you.